This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Kindness Rejected, and it comes from 2 Samuel 10, 1 through 19. But before we start our lesson today, we're talking, could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax-deductible gifts. So won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648. And there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS-approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Now, Hebrews 13.16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson that we've taught here on the Radio Bible Class, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com or catch us wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's on iTunes or Spotify or Amazon or Google. Wherever you listen to your podcast, we're there too. Just search for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. Now, if you're a regular listener to the Radio Bible Class, you know that we've been going through 1 Samuel. We finished that. We're now in 2 Samuel, and we're almost halfway through 2 Samuel. But what we've seen in 2 Samuel is David becomes king. He is anointed king over the nation of Israel, and God promised him back in chapter 7 his throne would be established forever. As a matter of fact, if you turn to 2 Samuel 7, verse 16, real quick, I'll read it to you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And this is the prophet Nathan talking to David after David wanted to build this elaborate temple. And Nathan came back to him and said, your intentions are good, but God says no. That today you are to protect the nation of Israel and go back and secure for them. And your house will live forever. Your kingdom will live forever. And then we saw in chapter 8 how God fulfilled this, how he helped him overcome the Ammonites, how he overcame the Moabites, how he overcame the Philistines and the Malachites. All of those were subdued. The Bible tells us that he subdued all of them and there was peace in the land. And with peace in the land, we see the heart of David come out. We see the man after God's own heart last week when we studied about David and Mephibosheth. We saw one of the fruits of the Spirit that was operating through David, and it was kindness. He wanted to share God's kindness, and he shared it to Mephibosheth, who was the son of Jonathan. He honored a commitment that he had made to Jonathan, even though Jonathan was dead. He also shared it because he was trying to make sure that the house of Saul was still in order and was taken care of. And last week, we looked at how it's God's nature to forgive how each and every one of us are Mephibosheth, how that we deserve something different than what we've gotten, how God has given us grace instead of death as what we the Bible tells us we deserve. And we wrapped up by saying, when we truly understand what God's done for us, when we truly make God Lord of our life, when we start operating in the Spirit, we become like David, 
and we start sharing kindness just like David did. We start sharing kindness to those that are hard to love, not just to our friends and family, but to everyone around, even those that are our enemies. Well, today we pick back up in chapter 10 and we see that David is still extending kindness. Matter of fact, there is a pagan kingdom that he shows kindness to, but his, this time his kindness is rejected, unlike what Mephibosheth did when he offered it to him. With that recap said, let's jump right in. Turn with me to 2 Samuel 10. We'll start in verse 1. I'll be reading out of the ESV. After the king of the Ammonites died and Hanun, his son, reigned in his place, and David said, I will deal loyally with Hanun, the son of Nahash, as his father dealt loyally with me. So David sent his servants to console him concerning his father. And David's servants came into the house of the Ammonite. But the princes of the Ammonites said to Hanun their lord, Do you think because David has sent comforters to you that he is honoring your father? Has not David sent his servants to you to search out the city and to spy it out and overthrow it? So Hanun took David's servants and he shaved half the beard of each and cut off their garments in their middle, at their hips, and he sent them away. And when it was told to David, he sent to meet them, for the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, remain in Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. And we're going to stop right there and we'll pick up in a minute. So the first thing I want to point out is that we saw last week, like I said, that kindness would offer and we see kindness offered again. What it says in verse 1 is, After a period of time, the king of the Ammonites died, and his son Hanun succeeds him as king. And David says, I will show kindness. And as an act of kindness, David sends his servants to console him about what's happened to, to his father. But before I dive further than that, look at verse 2 with me. Twice it says, loyally. First David said, I will deal loyally with Hanun. And then it says, as his father dealt loyally with me. In other translations, instead of saying loyally, it says kindness. And if you go to your Strongs and look that word up, you'll see that it really is an unfailing kind of love. It's a kindness. It's a goodness. And it's often used to describe God's love as it relates to us, how he's faithful to his covenant. And that one word right there really ties this back into the previous chapter. We talked about God's faithfulness and his love, and here we see this kindness or this loyalty, and through the Hebrew, tying these two chapters together, we see that this is another act of kindness. The other thing verse 2 tells us is that the king had shown kindness to David. Now, we don't see when this happened, but at some point, the king had shown kindness to David, and David wants to extend it back to his son. What David does, like I said, is he sends his servants over there, and they are not received well. In modern-day terms, this would be like the President of the United States sending a delegation to a foreign country for the funeral of another country's leader. It's an expression of support. It's a, an expression of condolence. It's an expression of kindness. And as I said last week, this expression of kindness is a foreshadowing of Jesus coming and showing his kindness to you and me. God's Son, His only Son, coming to earth with the offer of kindness to all people. It's an offer of an unfailing kind of love, a kindness, a goodness, a loyalty. And that's what Jesus did for you and me. That should make you excited to know that today 
wherever you stand, whatever you've done, you've done nothing even though the devil may tell you that you're too far gone, that no one can love you now. That's not true. God loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus came to the cross before you were ever born and nailed your sins to the cross so that he could show his unfailing love for you. The question for you today is, have you accepted Jesus' offer of kindness? Or are you rejecting it just like Hanun did? Jesus is standing at the door and he's knocking and he's saying, I want to offer you eternal life, a life with God and not in hell for eternity. And that's important, but there's more than just that. See, if you accept Jesus today, you're accepting an abundant life right now. You're accepting a peace and joy with God. You're no longer at odds with God. You no longer have to worry about facing the wrath of God. You have a peace and joy immediately when you accept Jesus into your life. So in the first two verses, we see a kindness that's offered. But we see in verse 3 through 5, a kindness that is rejected. And we see right there in verse 3 that Hanun's advisors tell him, Do you think that he's really honoring your father? Or has he sent comforters to you to scout out the land? They're really spies. Now there's different thoughts on why his advisors did this. I mean, we can see that it's truly in David's heart that he means well. But why did his advisors? Well, some say that his advisors did it because they wanted to look more cunning, more wise to him. And so they said, hey, these are probably spies. He's not really doing what he says he's doing. Also, other commentators say that it's because they were liars. And a liar always suspects others of lying. Isn't that how it happens? Whatever we're good at, whatever we sin at, an area of weakness in our life, we tend to see it in other people because we're expecting it because that's the way we do things. And so the common thought in some commentators is that they were lying to him because they were liars and they expected David to lie to them. Anyhow, no matter why these advisors thought that David was lying, Hunan took David's servants, we see in verse 4, and he shaved off half their beard. And then he cut off the middle of their garments and he sent them away. And this was a very disgraceful, insulting act. Remember, this would be in common day terms that the president sends a contingency over to a funeral and how they're turned away and they're treated disgracefully. Now, back in that day, a beard was very important. See, the only folks that didn't have a beard in those days were people that were slaves. If you weren't a slave, then you wanted your beard. Men would rather die than to have their beard shaved off. Free men wore beards. And so for him to shave half the beard off was a true act of, of disgrace. But not only was it an act of disgrace for just this, but then he takes it up a notch. He cuts off the middle of their garments. And this is also an obvious insult and humiliation. This is to shame them by showing their nakedness especially that they've been circumcised. First, it was to disgrace them or humiliate them by shaving off half their beard and then to cut off their middle garment so that they, they would show their private parts. They were truly ashamed and disgraced. What I want you to understand today, though, is that the rejection of David's kindness points to us again. It points to the rejection of Jesus' kindness towards us. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. We see that in Luke 19.10. Listen to what it says. This is Jesus speaking. He says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. In Matthew 18, which is a cross reference, we see that Jesus says, For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. 
So Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And we pointed this about the story last week of the 99 and the 1, right? How Jesus said, you leave the 99, you go get the 1. Jesus seeks the 1 and to save them. But not only that, Jesus also says in John 10, 10, that Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus starts off with this verse by saying the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he's saying that the thief is the opposite of the shepherd. The shepherd is to take care of and to find green pastures and to make life more abundant. But the thief is just the opposite of that. He wants his listeners to understand that he is the good shepherd. We see that in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is showing that he is the way and he is the good shepherd. He's telling the Jews that you've searched the scriptures and you think that you've found eternal life in them. But I hate to tell you, I'm a bearer of bad news. When you refuse to come to me, then you're choosing the way of the thief. But if you choose to come through me, then you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. I say all that so you understand that it's a very serious matter that we need to be careful that we don't reject the kindness of Jesus. And now you may think to yourself, I'm not rejected Jesus. I simply not made a choice yet. Whether I want to repent and believe in the gospel or if I just want to keep doing my own thing for a little while longer. I had a person tell me one time, when I get older, I'll get saved. But right now, I just want to enjoy life and enjoy being where I am in life. See, in their mind, they simply thought they just hadn't made a decision yet whether they were going to repent or believe in the gospel. But they had made a decision because they had already heard the gospel and they had rejected. Now, they have the best intentions in the future. And what I would tell you is I remember growing up, my dad telling me, son, delayed obedience is disobedience. Let me say that again. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So it doesn't matter that I'm going to get saved later. It doesn't matter that I'm going to take the trash out later. You were to do it now and you didn't do it. I know you had the best intentions, but because you didn't do it when you were supposed to do it, you missed the boat. And we don't know when our ticket's going to get punched. We don't know when we should have made that decision. And so by putting that decision off is rejecting the kindness of God, rejecting Jesus. What I can tell you, if you make that decision today, you don't have to worry about it. Again, you have that peace and joy with God, knowing that if anything were to happen, that you could stand before God and all he would see is Jesus's blood over you. He would see Jesus instead of seeing your sin. So we saw the kindness shown. And now we've seen the kindness rejected. Let's see how we should respond to this. I want you to look at verse 5 with me real quick. What we see is that David was told later about what has happened. It was told to him that his men were greatly ashamed. And what did King David do? He told them, remain at Jericho until your beards have grown out and then return home. See, David knew what a terrible embarrassment this would be. And so he had them stay in Jericho. He wanted them to be able to return home without shame. But not only did he not bring shame on them by having them come on home, but he also didn't create a political problem. He didn't whip up anger against the Ammonites because that's what would have happened. If he would have had these men come home with their disgrace and their shame that they would have had, he would have whipped up political anger against the Ammonites and it would have immediately started out a war. But that's not what David says. David says, wait in Jericho until your beards have grown out and then return. Again, what we can learn from this is that David is showing kindness. He's showing kindness to his own men, as the people that he sent, his servants over there. But he's also showing kindness to his nation. He's not going to create a war or a political uprising 
That doesn't need to happen. No, it's not what he expected when he sent his people over. But David is still showing kindness, even though his kindness was rejected. But I want you to see, just like there's a day that we've got to come to our senses, the Ammonites realize what they've done. They realize that they've become an anger point to David. They realize that David should be angered by this shame. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that they are repulsive to David. It says they made themselves repulsive to David. Let me read it to you out of the New Living Translation. I'm just going to read the first half of the verse. When the people of Ammon realized how seriously they had angered David. I'm going to stop there. In the ESV, it says, When the Ammonites saw that they had become a stench to David. For you reading out of the King James, it says, When the children of Ammon saw that they stank before David. Use whatever you want. Obnoxious. That they angered David. That they stank before David. That they were a stench before David. That they made themselves repulsive before David. I want you to understand, though, that they had become, that they realized, when they realized what they had done, they went and got ready to go to war because they realized they had created this problem. David didn't respond this way. David responded back with kindness, even though his kindness was rejected. They start by going and hiring some people to go to war with them. They go and hire the Syrians. They want to make sure that they can protect themselves because they have declared war. And it takes all the way to verse 7. See, David wasn't planning on war, because verse 7 tells us that. It says, And when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the host of his mighty men. And the Ammonites came out and drew up in battle array at the entrance of the gate. And the Syrians of Zoab and Roab and the men of Tob and Machai were both themselves in open country. And then in verse 9, Joab sees that the battle set against him in both in the front and in the rear. And so he chooses the best men of Israel and he splits them up. And he says, I want you to battle against the Syrian. And then he tells his brother Abashai that I want you to fight against the Amorites. And he says, if the Syrians are too strong for you, let me know and I'll help. And if they're too strong for me, I'll get you to help. But I want you to hear this in verse 12. Be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. Well, there's a couple of things we can learn from this. First of all, don't get involved in someone else's business. What we find out is the Syrians are about to get whooped by the nation of Israel. And they didn't even have a dog in the hunt. But yet they were willing to take money. They were hired assassins. And that wasn't uncommon back in that day. Right, that they would hire folks to come fight with them so that the army would be stronger. The Ammonites expect the worst. They've heard about how David has conquered all the other people, and so they don't want to be humiliated. They've already humiliated David, but they don't want to be humiliated in war, and so they go and hire the Syrians. As I was preparing, I, I wondered if the Syrians had backed out, if the Syrians had not accepted that money and willing to go to war, would the Ammonites had to back down and ask for forgiveness? Would the motives have been different? Your know, Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 26, verses 21 and 22 says, Like coals from embers of wood for fire, so is the quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The words of the gossip are like a choice morsel to go down in the innermost being. What Proverbs is telling us is where there's no wood, there's no fire. The fire goes out. But if you add wood, if you add kindling, guess what? The fire is going to rage. And that's what's happened. Now the Syrians have come and now we got this bigger fire. And like I said, what we can learn from this is we need to stay out of other people's business. It's none of your business what's going on. It's none of my business. 
It has nothing to do with us, so we need to stay out of it. It's amazing to me what people make their business. My wife loves to watch these reality shows, and you know what happens? You get people that jump in, and they get in, and they start taking sides. You know, they act like a detective or a sleuth or an investigative reporter, and they start asking questions, and they pick sides, and it's a bunch of drama. And what the Bible's showing us and what we can learn from it is that we need to stay out of other people's business. It's none of our business, and we don't need to help kindle the flames in it. Sadly, too many people get involved because they like to gossip. They like to tell what's going on in other people's lives, so they get in their business. I'm going to stomp on some toes, but 1 Timothy 5.13 says, Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. If you are meddling other people's life, if you're creating strife amongst other people, getting in the middle of it, then you're creating sin. It's pure and simple as that. Meddling in other people's lives and problems is sin. And like I said, the Syrians had no beef with Israel, but the Ammonites sucked them in. A modern day version of this would be, I'm sitting over here just on Facebook doing my own thing, when all of a sudden I see this argument and I decide to get in. I really don't care about anyone that's in this. I just want to get in the middle of it. And so David finds out about this. He sends his mighty men and Joab and Abashai beat them badly in battle. Verse 15 tells us that. And when the Syrians saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they gathered themselves together and then they go get more people. They bring, in verse 18, 40,000 horsemen. They bring 700 chariots. And now King David gets involved. And they whooped the Syrians again. The Syrians got paid to go to battle. They lost, but they were embarrassed. So they decide, they, again, they have no dog in this hunt, but they are not going to be ashamed. So they bring more people and they still lose. King David leads that. But I want you to see how this chapter ends. And when all the kings who were servants of Hadazazir saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and became subject to them. So the Syrians were afraid to save the Ammonites anymore. Who says you can't teach an old dog a new trick? Good job, Syrians. You finally learned your lesson. You don't go help people. You don't get in the middle of a battle that's not yours. Sadly, we live in a time right now when people can't manage the basics of their own life. Yet they want to get involved with people who have a huge problem thinking that they can be their savior. They do it because they want the trophy for being the person that helped them. They do it strictly for their own personal motive. And I know some of you right now are saying, well, they need love. They need grace. And they do. But they also don't need us coming around, approving of their sin, and celebrating it with them. We do need to love the sinner, but we don't need to love the sin. We do need to show acts of kindness. I agree with that wholeheartedly. David teaches us that right here. But let me ask you this. If you had a 13-year-old son and you knew there was a drug dealer that lived two houses down, would you want your 13-year-old son to hang out with him? Well, that's what you're doing when you hang out with sinners. It's one thing to go and act kindness. It's one thing to go and give them something. But we're not to hang out with them. I can tell you of people that I know that have wind up messing up their life because they hung out with destructive people and they thought they were doing it for the greater good. And they wound up getting sucked in just like the Syrians. And all of a sudden, their life is now messed up because of a choice they made. They had good intentions, but yet they didn't watch out and they got sucked in. 
we see from this passage of scripture that David handled the situation right. He didn't immediately go to war. He defended himself. He took care of himself. And God rewarded him of that. He offered kindness and it was rejected. And then the king foolishly decided to humiliate David. And God was with David and he allowed David to have a decisive victory twice. You know, the bad thing is this king Hanun at any time, if he would have just come and asked for forgiveness, if he would have shown submissiveness, if he would have just acted with humility and said, hey, I've been foolish, I think David would have had pity on him and wouldn't have gone any further. But he didn't. He wasn't willing to be humble and go before David. He was a new king. He was probably inexperienced. And he decided that I'll show you, I'll get a stronger army than you and I'll whoop you. And that's not what happened. I'm out of time, so let me close with this final thought. People find it easy to reject Jesus right now. They believe that they'll just be happier without making such a commitment, at least not right now. If they make that commitment right now, it'll cramp their style. It'll change the way they're able to live their life. And they'll be on the outside of what the world's doing. But the Bible warns us, one day we will all see Jesus in his glory. And those that have rejected Jesus, those that wanted to make sure they didn't miss out of what the world had right now, and they were going to do it later, are going to be in a time of need. They're going to need more time that they don't have. They're going to regret the decision that they made. See, the door was open at one time, but now it's been shut. It's too late. But if you're listening to my voice today, it's not too late. You can accept Jesus right now, and you can live with him forever in the fullness of life that you can't even imagine. But if you reject him, one day he will reject you and you will be eternally doomed. And the choice is yours. Which choice will you make? Revelations 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody will open the door, I'll come in and eat with them. I'll sup with them. Jesus is knocking today. There's someone listening that Jesus is telling you, Don't reject my kindness. Open the door. Let me in. Let's have a fellowship together. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and my heart breaks thinking about there are people that have rejected you. Lord, I pray there's someone listening today that you've been knocking on their heart that they will just open it up. Or maybe it's one that's got in the middle of someone else's business and they've gotten burned. You know, too many times I hear about how they got involved in church and then all of a sudden the church bit them back. Lord, I pray today they will come back. Lord, that they will worship you and not the church. Lord, they'll forget about what other people think. They'll be humble before you. Lord, maybe there's one that doesn't know you. Lord, I pray today that today would be the day. Lord, they would admit they're a sinner. Lord, they would understand that they that we've all fallen short of the glory of God and that they we all need you. And Lord, that they would be lost so that you can save them. They would understand without you that they will face a eternal doom. Lord, I pray today that they'll ask you to be Lord of their life. Lord, and that they will chase after you. They will confess with their mouth and they'll believe on you. Lord, it's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name we ask all this. Amen.